Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you for the reality of what we've just worshipped you with our words, that you are risen. And because of that, fathers, we celebrated your coming last week and this week. Uh, Lord, this morning as uh, we assemble together as your people, uh, Lord, we thank you that you've invited us to come and be with you. We pray this morning that you open up our hearts, Lord, that your word would uh, have its effect, you'd speak to us. We thank you that, uh, Lord, you're worthy of our worship. And Father, I thank you so much just for the opportunity to be here together today with your people so that we can focus upon you, we can hear from you, and Lord, we can live our lives in obedience to your call. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, church family, so good to be with you, and uh, you'll heard that, uh, first of all, hey, I'm grateful for appetizers. I didn't know we were going to get the kitchen opened up after the service. I just thought we'd just kind of say hello and have a little short little meeting over there, but uh, y'all, if they're going to open the kitchen, please stick around, because somebody's gone to a lot of work, which I don't know what they've done, so... And it has been a gift. I will be here next week, but really next week is Garen Sunday. It's the day that we install him as your pastor. And uh, look forward to getting to see that chapter, this transition from my time as your interim. Uh, it was Easter. Believe me, I know. Uh, I had just finished in Kansas City with the church. I had one Sunday. And we went to Manhattan and then just have been here ever since that, that time. So the week two weeks after Easter, to come and get to know you and to get to see what God is doing through this, his body in Emporia and the plans that he has for his kingdom, for his name, for his glory. And I want you to know this is going to be a sweet memory uh, that we, Priscilla and I, have enjoyed just getting to know you and getting to walk with you. Trust for you, Christmas was a, a good time for us. We had our Christmas late, as I mentioned last week. Our son came uh, after the Christmas season. They, you know, little families have got to start their own traditions. So they did their Christmas, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And then we got, uh, and I don't want to say it, but we got the leftovers. But it was excellent time with grandkids and connecting with our kids overseas. And so trust that that Christmas week has been special. And now as we look to the future, look to the new year for you as a church with, uh, with Garen as your lead pastor, Garen working with the staff, working with the leadership, the, the deacons of this church, understanding how you all are going to work together as the body of Christ in Emporia. I thought it fitting to talk about God's Word. And so this morning, for my last time with you, I want us to go to the book of 2 Timothy, and we're going to be in chapter 3, but remembering, 2 Timothy is the last book that Paul writes. And uh, he's writing to a man, to Timothy, who he's known from when he was a, maybe high school, could have even been like a junior high boy. When he was in his hometown of Lystra, Paul was there explaining why Jesus came. He was preaching the gospel well. But the Jewish community turned on him and stoned him, took him outside of the edge of Lystra, and stoned him and left him for dead. Now, I've mentioned before, just imagine what that must look like. Uh, he's going to be unconscious, and he's going to be a bloody mess. 
and they think that they've done what they needed to do, but uh, he, he wasn't dead. And I believe Timothy with his mother and his grandmother were there and saw that. And Paul in the book of 2 Timothy comes back and says, you know, you know my actions, you know my belief, you know my life, you know my suffering. And Timothy, I want to ask you to follow and learn what God has for you just as you watch what I've learned. And so this morning, as I get to be with you, I wish we could do this around small tables. There's just not enough time. But I would like to learn where you're at in your relationship with God. But then I would want to encourage you that He is not done. You heard the announcement. I mean, back there's... Uh, well, we, we celebrated a wedding this morning. And we did that because of the Holy Spirit speaking to people on how we need to be obedient. This is what God's got for life, so let's take that step. And I'm telling you, we talked for a couple of weeks, then this week we decided we're going to do it today. And I like instant obedience. And so my gift would be just to discover where is God at work in your life and just encourage you that that instant obedience is worth it. And so Paul's model that he has, he was in Lystra, they took him out and stoned him and left him for dead. The man, instead of leaving, goes back into town. Now that's something of courage for Paul. I tell you what, if, if you all stoned me, <laughs> if Emporia came around and stoned me and left me for dead out in the parking lot, I don't know if I'd want to come back to Emporia the next, the next afternoon. But when Paul got up, that's what he did. He walked right back into town. And then the end of his first journey, guess where he goes? He doesn't cut from Derby and go on down back to where he was sent from, from Antioch. He goes back to the same town that stoned him and left him for dead. So that's twice that Paul had the courage to walk back into the hometown of Timothy. And so as Paul comes to the end, he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I think it's 2 or 3, he says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. I know my life is over. But you, Timothy, be a learner because God is not done. And so really, that's my message today. There you get the end of it, but we're going to go through to see what Paul's got to say. But God is not done in Emporia. God has a plan to bring glory to himself. And who knows, in this room today, which one of you God is going to speak to in a special way. There's going to be new doors open in the coming months. In 2019, who knows what God wants to do in this city with that university, with this, the importance of this community right here, what his plans are to make himself known. And for that reason, I want to ask you to stand. Because I want to read over this church family. I'm not sure if we do this next week, but I get to do it today. I get to read God's word over us as a community of faith. And here's what I believe that he would have to say to us today out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Here's what Paul would say. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise 
unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. For all Scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God might be equipped, be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Father, today we, we come together as your people, and we before you want to say that we believe that your word is exactly what you've said. We thank you that you love us enough that from your heart you breathe out a message we can find nowhere else on earth. And that message is here in your word. And so this morning, fathers, we consider it as we listen to Paul's heart, as we try to understand the wisdom of who you are and what you want to do in our lives, we invite you to speak to us. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. You know, I've these few months that I've gotten to be with you, I've told you stories about my growing up, my life, my process of coming to know the Lord and growing in Him. You've gotten, in eight months, kind of a thumbnail of my experience. And as I've told you before, I wish I had the opportunity to get to know yours because we're all the same. We have a story of experiences that uh, happened to us good and bad, insightful, overwhelming. But what Paul wants to communicate to Timothy is that we have a foundation. We have something that we can live with and carry through those life experiences. The first reality that I think Paul is trying to get Timothy to, to remember starts in verse 14. He says, but as for you, continue. Timothy, you started being a learner. When I was there, I remember seeing you uh, when I first came to your hometown of Lystra. And Timothy, you've gone on, and he writes to him, you're now a pastor in the city of Ephesus, a major church. But Timothy, I want you to continue in what you've learned. Be a life learner. This morning, I asked if I could talk about it, and so here I'm doing it. You know, to celebrate a marriage, there's just that one period. I mean, it, oh, it was 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes we were together, not very long. But in that 20 or 25 minutes, a turn was made. Vows were taken and commitments were made to one another and were made to the Lord about life. So we take a little snapshot. But guess what? It's not over. And as I said to the couple, I said, you know, you've got a unique story that is God's story in you as you choose to live in obedience to Him under His Word. He's going to begin to write through you a message that nobody else can write. You see, that's why being a life learner is so important. The Christian faith is not a bunch of do's and don'ts. The, the Christian faith is a whole lot of understand and come. Understand what God's got for you specifically, and then come to Him, and often we're going to come repenting. We're going to come, that good little church word, we're going to come agreeing that what He tells us is right, 
that what I've done or thought or said is not right, is wrong, it's disobedient to him. But being that lifelong learner to be able to discover what God's got for you in your 20s, or maybe your teens, maybe junior, maybe you've got kids in grade school, I've got kids in here. You know, as they just get started in their, in their lives, God wants to show us at every chapter of where we're at how he wants to meet with us here. And so, Timothy says, I mean, Paul says to Timothy, but it's for you, Timothy, I know you. Continue in what you've learned and you firmly believe. Not only believing, you know, last week, if you were here, as we celebrated, got ready for Christmas, I said that process of you've got to know it, then we believe what God said, and then we receive it. That process is going to be going on in all of us for the rest of our lives. And so as Paul challenges Timothy, he says, Timothy, be a life learner and grow in that belief of who I am to you and what I'm saying to you of how you treat other people. You see, the kingdom of God, as I said before, it's not a whole lot of do's and don'ts. It's a whole lot of he wants to speak to us about our relationship with him. But guess what? That touches relationships, all of those relationships that we've got. So that's why, you know, being with my grandchildren and looking at a 10-year-old and an 11-year-old, a 10, 9, 6, and a 5-year-old, and getting that little huddle of kids together, and just believing that there's a future out there for them that I don't know what it is, but they've got the opportunity of discovering more and more and more of who God is. Being life learners who not only continue learning, we believe that there is a God who wants to speak to us and guide us. And so having that commitment to be a lifelong learner. Secondly, he gets down to verse 16. Paul explains something that I don't realize how serious these next two verses are because of who's saying them. But you've got the number one student, the Pharisee of the Pharisees. You've got a man who was converted on the way to Damascus where he was going to persecute the church. And by persecute, probably was either lock up or kill. He'd already done that with one of the elders there in Jerusalem. We've got a man who definitely knows Scripture. He knew the Old Testament. And now today, as he's writing to Timothy, he says, all Scripture, and he's only, at that time, the New Testament's not here for us. But right there, that much of it, of this book, is God-breathed. It's inspired. It is from God's heart to us. All Scripture is God-breathed. Now, that's something you're going to have to wrestle with. But for me, to have a man like Paul, who's experienced all that God wanted to do for him and to him and with him and in him, and then Paul say, Timothy, here it is. You want to know God's heart? You want to know what, what comes out of God? When he spoke, things came into being. He spoke, heaven 
the sun, the moon, all the universe into being. He spoke all the diversity that's here on this earth, all the nature, all the beauty of creation. All he has to do is speak, and it becomes a reality. That same breath of God is right here. And it gives us the opportunity as we spend time in this book of hearing God's heart. And so just that phrase of where Paul is writing his last letter, most important things in life, he's saying to me, okay, Timothy, don't miss this one. All Scripture is God-breathed. It is dependable. It will guide us. It will give us God's heart. And that message that is so unique that he wants every one of us to hear right where you're living, he's got that message for you and he wants you to get it. So first of all, are we lifelong learners? Secondly, do we believe in the sufficiency, in the power, and in some ways the wonder of these words. I'm going to confess some very, very poor thinking that I had. When I first became a Christian, I've told you, I was a college freshman, had a guy that shared that good gospel message, that story of Christ dying for me on the cross. I went back to my dorm room. I received it. I said, God, I need that. I confess. I agree with you. I've never done this. I agree with you that I'm separated and I need your forgiveness. And I want a relationship. So I started. And the guy taught me how to have a quiet time. I was so blessed in that I saw him on Monday. He said, hey, let's get together tomorrow. So by Tuesday. And all it was was five minutes, ten minutes. We were together in the union between classes. And uh, he had a little passage he wanted me to read and he'd ask me one one or two questions and so he just got me started baby little steps of understanding this book that was in january is where it started so by easter which would be april uh i'm kind of beginning to study this and so i thought you know if this book is so powerful maybe i ought to sleep with it maybe i'll just put my head on it maybe maybe it'll just soak through now, i haven't told many people that stupid thought of mine <laughs> Because this book is not magic. No. This book, we give it respect. If we're in Islam, this book, the Quran, their holy book, is the highest book in the house. Nothing is put on it. You take care of it. You know, we, don't, we definitely want to treat our books with respect. This is a nice Bible I've got. Nice leather cover. Good book. But I tell you what, it's the message that's inside those words. That's why you can take this and translate it into every language on earth. It doesn't have to be in Aramaic, the language it was written in, or Hebrew. It can be written in all of those languages because the message of God is the Holy Spirit speaking through the events and the words that happen in real life. And so that breath of God... God being with people is the hope that we have. So let's be life learners. Secondly, let's be people that believe that the sufficiency of this resource that we have is worth spending time in, is worth studying. But third, let's talk about profit. Now, one of the things that I've really enjoyed about being with 12th Avenue is 
Folks, there's some, there's some people in this room that know what profit is. I mean, we've got companies that, are, that move to Emporia to build discs that uh, it's kind of a, it's a center here. We've got a university here that's got a significant uh, business department. Now, ranchers and farmers, I'd like to just talk to you by yourself, but I realize the major business that you're in, in today's economy where it is serious what you do to try to turn a profit, to try to get more out of what you've invested in, that there's a return on it. Now, business people, do not miss what God's Word says. He says, all scriptures breathe breathed out, and it is profitable. Now, I'm in a place in life where I guarantee, I don't know if you are, but I will know what the numbers tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock are. And I will put those numbers into my spreadsheet, and I will know, I think, some pretty bad news. Because this year wasn't as profitable as I wanted no, because of what's going on in our whole world, those numbers that are traded and all that, those numbers are going to be down and I'm going to be kind of sad because it's not going to be as profitable as I wanted. But number one, I'm going, to add, I'm going to get the opportunity, I'll guarantee you tomorrow afternoon when I'm doing those numbers, I'm going to get the opportunity of saying, Where, where's my real profit? What am I basing my life on? Is it what's on that spreadsheet or is it what's in here, what's in my heart, what's going on in my relationship with God? And I, I'm not done yet, but I am on the path. And I'll tell you, so far, uh, that all these years that I've been walking with him, it has been profitable. I am better off today than I was a year ago. I'm better off today than I was 10 years ago. Even while living in Africa and all that we got to enjoy and see and do, we came home at the right time. And the profit that comes the benefit, the growth, the investment, the return on spending time with him is worth it. And Paul says, I'll tell you the four things it's profitable for. First of all, it's profitable for teaching. Now, I started saying, I think I prayed it this morning, that we need this because we can't get it anywhere else. You can't get God's teaching apart from his word. And that's why 12th Avenue, I just, it's been a gift to be with you because you people believe that. If some of you have talked to me about my time with you, but nobody said, John, you spent too much time in God's word. Not one person has said that to me. Because this, you come here, and I guarantee you, you're getting a teacher. Don't miss that. Garen Forsyth is a teacher, he's gifted in the gift. He's been gifted to teach. And so just realize that the value of what you're going to get is someone that's going to take it deeper and broaden it and help you understand. Don't miss that gift. It is profitable for teaching. It's profitable for reproof. Just yesterday. Y'all, I'm not talking about long time. I'm talking about yesterday. I got reproved by the Holy Spirit driving to a gas station because I have a credit card that my credit card is a ministry credit card, and I, I'm responsible for that credit card. And guess what? You, the churches of Kansas, Nebraska, you 
have allow, allowed me to have a resource to do the work that I do. And I thought about using that resource in a way that was wrong. And as I drove up to that gas station thinking about where I was going to, which credit card I was going to put in that machine, put gas in my, somebody's vehicle, the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart and said, don't you do that. Don't, that's not right. Now, church family, that is a gift. The gift of reproof. To have the Holy Spirit come alongside of you and say what you're getting ready to say, what you're getting ready to do, that's not what I want. Now that, brothers and sisters, is a gift from God. He says, you're my children. I, I discipline my children. I'm just like my little Ezra grandson. That little dude, six years, five years old, going to be six. That little dude, he's just into everything. But we got to teach ever. I... I Got to reprove little Ez, a little bit, about how we live in our house. And he took it well. But y'all, that's what God's Word does to every one of us. We've got to have something that's profitable for teaching, for reproof. Now guess what? It's profitable for correction. Not only does it tell me where I'm wrong, it told me what to do right. Reproof says that what you're getting to say and do, that's not... That's not what I want, but I'll tell you what I do want. I will correct you. I'll get you back up on the path to go the direction that God's got you to go. One more time. God is not a judge sitting up there just doing, you're wrong, you're right, you're wrong. He's, He's with us. He's one who walks life right beside you. It's profitable for teaching. It's profitable for reproof. It's profitable for correction. But the last thing, it's profitable for training in righteousness. And church family, that's why church is so important. You know, the, the world out there, they're not in here. Nope. That world, we're going we're gonna to walk out of these doors. After, I hope you have a little appetizer. Walk out those doors and we're going to go back into the real world. And what God wants to do is He wants a community of people that are living different. We're living His way. His Spirit's leading us to live in our marriages, in our families, in our businesses, in our schools, in all those places we have relationships. And He wants to train us how to do that. That takes place a little bit here on Sunday morning, a whole lot more in your life group. A whole lot more in those equipping classes that you have. And by the way, Dave Ramsey, he so helped us, I'm no joke, 30 years ago. We are very different today because of the training that we got on finance many, many years ago. That's a whole other issue. It was training and it was profitable. So God's Word. First of all, be life learners of it. Secondly, it is adequate. It is God-breathed. It is His heart for us in our relationship with Him. Thirdly, it's profitable, and it will help us. It'll equip us. It'll teach us. It'll reprove us. It'll correct us, and it's going to train us in how to live righteously. And so to have a resource that good, I want you to hear some testimony. Come on up, Brother Scott. This church supports a very important ministry, the Gideon ministry. 
And as I've been getting to know Brother Scott, knowing how important Gideon's is to him and to others, I said, today's the day. Let's hear some testimony of the impact of God's word in the real world. So, Brother Scott, talk to us. I would like 24 copies of those little green New Testaments. About four years ago, Janet Peterson, Ed and Janet Peterson, if you know them from this church, they, Janet had called me and she said, Scott, could I have 24 copies of those little green New Testament? And I said, yeah, but tell me more. Janet said, John was in the fifth grade when he received a little orange New Testament. But John did not take that serious. And he put that little orange New Testament in his drawer. A year ago, which this would be about four years ago now, John Peterson was killed in a motorcycle accident south of Emporia. And Janet said when he was killed, he had that little orange New Testament in his pocket. And at about, about six months before he was killed, he pulled out that little orange New Testament out of his drawer and began to read that. John, I so much appreciate the message today, the power of God's word, and that's how it is. So Janet, I said, so why do you want, uh, why do you want 24 of them? And she says, today would have been John, or right now would be celebrating John's 24th birthday. And so I've kind of committed that I'm going to put together a little packet to give to homeless people with 24, or with uh, testaments, one of these for each one of his birthdays. So I would like 24. So uh, we give her that. She put some soap, toothpaste, toothbrushes, and she said she's going to take it to Kansas City and there uh, hand it out to homeless. So a couple months later, I seen Janet, and I said, Janet, how'd that go? And she said, well, you know, that's a little more difficult than I thought. She said, I took those and started handing them out, and I'm thinking, boy, this is, this is kind of tough. But as I was getting ready to leave, I seen a group of homeless. And I pull up, and I open my trunk, and I pull out those bags to give them. And she said, I had 17 bags left, and there were 17 homeless people. That, people, is the power of God's word, how God sets those things up. John Ortberg wrote a book that I read 20-some years or so ago. It says, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. If you want to see the power of God's word, is what John has shared today, we have to step out in faith. And church family, if there's anything that I'd really like to have you get out of this today, Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder a soul and spirits, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That, I would say, is why we had a wedding this morning, wasn't it? The power of God's word working into the lives of people. So as Gideons, we place the, uh, the scriptures throughout the community in the, in the colleges, the schools, uh, jails, uh, the auxiliary is very active with us in a number of those, also in doctor's offices, attorney's offices. Uh, just We try to put them in the traffic lanes of life. 
and uh, just continue to see how God continues to bless. So church family, again, I really want to thank this body that has been very faithful in supporting the work of the Gideons. And I'll share with you in a little bit of three different ways that, uh, that you can help with that. But I'd like to tell you another testimony. About five years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Africa, Malawi, Africa, right next to where uh, John and Priscilla was. And just a lot of things happened there. But uh, we had scheduled delivery, and we had joined up with local Gideons there. Now, the Gideons are uh, organized in over 200 countries, but there's only about eight of those 200 that are self-supporting, meaning it takes finances from the countries that God has blessed more to, to uh, help support them. So we joined up with uh, the local Gideons there, and we had a list of schools to go to. And uh, as the guy that I was with that week was going down the road, to, heading to a school, and we seen another school. And it wasn't on our list. So we, uh, well, when we finish here, we'll go up there. So we went up to this school, and they had just opened this school. And it was a high school. So we did a distribution there of about 50 or 60 scriptures. And they said, now make sure you come back this afternoon because we got another group coming back this afternoon. Okay, so that afternoon we uh, went back. And uh, I realized the area where we was was over 90% Muslim. Very, very uh, controlled by that. So uh, we was handing out the testaments in the Chicherwe language. And uh, we'd, we'd go over them. And then all the scriptures are the same with the Gideons. In the back of it, it has the plan of salvation. So uh, we started going over the plan of salvation. And again, there's maybe 80 students at this time. And uh, asked how many would like to receive Christ. And just about all of them raised their hand. And then fear kind of gripped me, saying, do you realize where you are? And you just had this many people respond to the gospel? So uh, I'm familiar with Romans 1.16, if you are. And uh, I point out to an individual that uh, had really been tracking and following. I said, would you stand and read Romans 1.16, and I want to challenge you as a church also. I think John has done a, a strong job today challenging us on uh, the power of God's word, but Romans 1.16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto the salvation to all who believe, to the Jew and also to the Gentile. And this young man started reading this, and the awe and the power of the Holy Spirit that overcome that group was amazing. They were reaching deep into their lives, realizing this is a real commitment that I need to make. And again, I, I would encourage you uh, to think of that, that same thing, that uh, that is what's profitable. That is how we determine whether or not we're being profitable. Just about a month or so ago, Kathy and I was coming through Missouri, and we pulled into a gas station. Kathy went in to get something. And there was a car right next to us. It looked like it had some Dakota license plates on it. And uh, they had a little spare. Or the, the spare was on the wheel. And I could see that economically they were challenged. And uh, there were three kids in the back seat and a mother in the front. So I put the gas in, in my truck. And I run in and uh, go to the restroom, come back out. 
and the Father is there. And in this intermeaning time, God was saying, Scott, I need a response here. I took $20 out of my pocket, and I put it in a little New Testament. And I said to the, to the man that was there then, I said, sir, I'd like to give you something. And he looks at that, and he said, oh, thank you. And he says, can I give you a hug? And he throws his arms around me. And I, he climbs in the vehicle, and I get ready to climb in mine. And the two passenger windows roll down on the front and the back. And these three little kids and this mother saying, sir, thank you. Thank you. And that little thing, that's not about me. That is the power of God's word. And that's something that each and every one of us can do. So take those opportunities. When you, uh, when you have the opportunities to share God's word, uh, stand up for that and not be ashamed. So there's three ways that uh, I'll share with you that you can help today. First, uh, we ask that you pray. Some of the times, even locally here when we do distributions, uh, some of the times it can be a challenge. And so I ask that you pray for us. Uh, also throughout the world. You know, I didn't have this on my list, but this is also very close to me. When I was in Malawi, I had a, had a real tough crisis on my faith when I was there. And uh, it was a wrestle for me. And I get back, and Dick and Joey Waters comes up to me and says, Scott, I don't know what was going on at this time, but at 2 o'clock in the morning, Joey and I got up and had a burden for you and spent an hour praying. And I, I, when I was calculating that back, it seemed to be basically the same time. So, church, continue to pray when you... Uh, you know, that the word of God may have free course and accomplish that which is set out. So please pray for us. We also need other professional business and uh, professional men that would care to join with us and their wives. Within 12th Avenue, there is probably about eight or ten Gideons plus their wives, uh, most of them that are uh, active in the Gideons. So we, we uh, are excited and thank you, uh, thank you, thankful for that. Also, uh, financial support. There will be some of the Gideons around with an open Bible. If you'd care to give to that, uh, a New Testament like this costs us about $1.25, and that includes the freight to send it to uh, Africa or wherever it's being sent. And again, uh, about 190-some countries, we really we have to support from America here. Uh, the motel Bibles that we uh, put in, those cost about $5 a piece. <clears throat> I'd like to uh, share with you, over Thanksgiving, Kathy and I was in the Florida Keys. And I took some little New Testaments with me. And uh, I'd ask at the resort where we stay, and there is a number of different nationalities there. And so I have some Spanish and some English New Testaments. And uh, there was one of the guys, I said, uh, what? country are you from? He said, from Haiti. And I said, okay, so do you know English? And he said, yeah, a little bit. And I said, could I give you a New Testament? And he takes that in his arms and brings it up to his chest, closes his eyes, and he said, that is worth more than any money or anything that you could ever give me. Brothers and sisters, that's what gives us passion and gives us challenge 
to continue. And uh, again, we, we sit here with a lot of us with Bibles in our homes, and, and yet, can we get out and can we share that? I have a little video I'd like to share if you'd clip that on on uh, a Gideon card program we have. I'd like to share with you another little testimony. When I was in Africa, um, I had ordered a couple little wood things, that wood carvings that I wanted to bring home. And uh, I had to place the order a few days ahead. So I get ready to go down and get them at the end of the day. And the guy said, hey, Scott, take some scriptures with you. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm here for. So I took 10 testaments with me, and I go down and pick up this wood. And these guys, so what are you, what are you doing here? Oh, yeah. So I pull out and I give them these 10 New Testaments. And again, I mean, this wasn't, I was interested in my wood carvings at this time and not in handing out the Bibles. So uh, I give out, there were 10 wood carvers, again, 10 Bibles. And all 10 of them prayed to receive Christ. 
God showed up way ahead of me. We finish. I'm standing there a little bit. This was pretty close to my, to my heart. But one of the guys kept looking at my shoes. And he said, Scott, or he said, sir, could I have your shoes? You guys probably had that. I don't know if it still is, but I sat down and took off my shoes and socks. Somebody in Africa wore my shoes for a while. Um, some special moments when we step out of the boat. Share with you one little last testimony, which oh, maybe I should show you. You got this. There's an insert in the bulletin and to where you can give, and, and uh, if you want, you can give online or, or uh, fill that out. And, but share something with you that happened two weeks ago from today. It was the, uh, we go to the local jail here four times a year and hand out scripture. So went down, was doing this distribution. There were several of us there. And we got ready to leave, and we was walking by the solitary confinement cells. And I said, do you have anybody in these cells here? And the two jailers both said, yes, but he's worthless. He is no count and nothing but trouble. And you know when he said that, I thought, you know what? I know another guy who was worthless. Without Jesus, I was worthless. So I said, but, well, can we give him a new testament? And I remember that jailer turned back, Scott, I'm telling you, the guy's worthless. But we'll see. And they asked him and give, and he said, yes, he wanted a new testament. Now, in that solitary confinement, there's only a class opening about that big. And the inmate started quietly saying something, sir, sir. So I get over, and he said, thank you for the Bible. He said, I'm really a mess, and I desperately need God. Would you come back and do a Bible study for me? Now, I just heard this guy's worthless. Don't spend your time on him. And at the same time, I'm hearing a guy ask for that. So I said, well, let me think about it. Well, as it would happen on Wednesday morning, I look at my schedule, and I got some time. So Wednesday morning, three days later, I go down and ask to meet with this guy. And he comes in, and uh, the guy looked totally hopeless. And he just said, I, I've tried everything. I just need God. The guy had tattoos all over, and I have found this as kind of a door opening. But I said, tell me your story. Tell me about your tattoos. And so he starts telling me about the tattoos he has all over, and it's pain in his life, serious pain. And I said, I, you know, I think I'm sitting here talking to a guy in a lot of pain. He said, I am, I just need God. Sir, can you help me find God? And I tell you this, I, I think at least five times, just help me find God. We went over the plan of salvation in the back. And he goes over it. It took us some time, and we talked about it. So he said, well, am I a believer now? And I said, I don't know. I mean, we talked about this, but I don't know what God's done in your heart. He said, well, what else could I do? Because I mean, I'm serious. And I said, well, you know what? We could just pray. And you just tell God what's going on. 
you've ever been able to set in on any of those, some, those are some of the most sincere prayers. This guy confessed his unworthiness, his use, or, uh, what do I say? What did I say the word earlier? You know, that, that he had no use. There, there was no hope in his life. But he believed that Jesus died for him. And he accepted that. And we get done praying, and he said, wow, such a burden has been lifted off of my shoulders. And I'm sitting there thinking, that's, that's our Jesus. So we encouraged him to read a little bit and uh, told him some things to read in the scripture. This Wednesday, I had the opportunity to go back to the jail. And a new man walked into that cell. The guy had the biggest grin on his face. So church family, 1 Corinthians 15 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Thank you. Oh, Brother Scott, thank you. But I hope we would hear we've heard is the impact of God's Word on the lives of people all along that spectrum of resistant to a believer who wants to know. And so just hearing how God is using people in business. You know, I can't be a Gideon. I think you all know that. Only, you know, not preachers can't do it. So I'm just grateful that there are places where you all can be involved in investing in God's Word in the hearts of people. Last thing I want to share is in verse 16, 316, where it says that we may be complete, equipped for every good work. Amen. Every good work. And y'all, what's exciting is we just heard one testimony of one man, but this church is about 400, 400 plus members. Could you imagine the diversity of every good work that's sitting here in this room? From all the different places where your lives touch of what God wants to do of bringing hope, bringing joy, bringing peace, and bringing the gift of God's love that we just celebrated at Christmas to touch a lost world. So in closing, I want to give you something that uh, a guy named Chuck Lawless shared with us. We were with him two years ago for our our spring break retreat. And he says, you know, I hear a lot of people preach on God's word, but they never say how to do it. And so I want to just pass on three little things on how. How can God's word be more rooted in your life? First of all, make a commitment to do it. Say, God, starting in 2019, I want to be more in your word. And so number one, find a place. Where do you do that? I can tell you, I'll take you to my house. I, I have two. Where I work on my times with you is in the basement of my house. I have a special spot on a couch. I sit there, and that little special spot is meaningful. But every day, it's my green chair. After we get back from the gym, I'm going to go spend time in the green chair. I have a place. I know where I'm going to meet the Lord. Get you a place. Secondly, get you a time. When are you going to do it? Some people are morning people. Some people are night people, but identify your place. Then say, here's the time 
that I want to commit to read God's Word. So place, time, plan. Know today, know where you're going to go. I am so grateful that for years I've, and I've had different plans, but right now my plan is I have four different places. I try to read four chapters a day. I can't do it. Some days I don't have enough time to read four. I read one. But I know my plan, and I know where I'm going to go. I know where I'm going to be tomorrow when I spend time alone with the Lord. So for you, if you're not doing this, I would I'd challenge you with a plan. Start with the book of Mark or start with the book of John. Either one of those two. Mark's fast. Uh, it reads quick. I love the way that you get the story of Peter. Or the book of John was written so that we can know more about him. And last week, my whole sermon was out of the book of John. A place, a time, and a plan. And if you'll commit to say, okay, Lord, this year, 2019, I want your word to be in my heart more on December 31st, 2019, than it is today on December 30th, 2018, I will guarantee you, you will be equipped, you will be encouraged, and you will be more of who God wants you to be as he wants his love to be poured over you and to use you in the world he's called you to. And so, it's been a ride. I have loved being with you for these past months. Next week, I'll be here, do little parts of introducing you. We're going to install your new pastor. But church family, knowing who God is, that was that whole section in the book of Ephesians. I wanted you to hear Paul's heart for who God is. Knowing the gift that we had with the Christmas season, and then finally ending with, let's be committed to his word. It has been a joy to have been with you for these months. And so I want to ask you to stand. I have a benediction. This last one's out of the book of Colossians. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. And here's what Paul would have to say to all of us. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you, teaching and admonishing, and teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns with spiritual songs, and with thankfulness in your hearts to God, whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, church, go be the church. I think. I see some people over here. <laughs> Maybe we're not quite done. <laughs> Don't leave. Go ahead and have a seat. Thought you were going to go. <laughs> Priscilla, could you join us? I want to take just a minute and uh, say thank you again to John and Priscilla. Lori did a wonderful job already this morning. Um, the Christmas season, the place in history. God sent Jesus, uh, born to live among us. Galatians says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. At the perfect time, God sent his son. God is writing a story. He has a grand story. We're part of it. 12th Avenue is part of it. And I have no doubt that 
from eternity past, God knew that John and Priscilla would be the ones we needed. And so we want to just thank you for being available, being so faithful, uh, for loving us, and uh, being what God had for us at this time. So here is a little something for you. I think it's a trip to the Bahamas or something, something like that. I'm not sure. Also, uh, we felt that it was only appropriate to thank our brother Don Yusey. Uh, as we were planning for Al's leaving um, and the interim time, we knew that um, the staff would need some support and oversight. And um, very early on, Don said, you know, I would be willing to do that. You may know John, uh, John and Priscilla came on Mondays and met with the staff, and Don was part of that. But we knew that there's also uh, Tuesday through Saturday. And, you know, in a business and anything, things come up daily. Questions, you know, what do we do about this and so on. And uh, so Don said, I'd be willing to, to be available. Um, the staff, Lisa, Jamie, Susan, Laura, we knew all of them would do marvelously. We had every confidence in them, and they did well. Jordan, we were not so sure about. Um, <laughs> we, we knew he was going to need adult supervision. <laughs> And uh, Don, Don said, I'll, I'll work very closely with him. <laughs> so, but um, I don't know if you folks know, Don has given literally hundreds and hundreds of hours in the last eight months. And so, Don, we appreciate that. Yeah. So, uh, Stand again, and I'll pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll move on to our reception time. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for your faithfulness to 12th Avenue. Uh, we marvel at how you have uh, always walked with us and how you have walked in these last eight months. Uh, thank you for sending John and Priscilla and how you have used them uh, thank you for Don, for his willingness to step up and, and serve in this interim time. And uh, we, we bless these folks and thank you for them. Thank you for your goodness to us. We look forward to uh, what you have uh, as Garen becomes our lead pastor and uh, just know you have good things in store for us. We thank you and pray, uh, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.